This podcast episode is brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network, where you get your healthcare insights from the most inspiring healthcare podcasters. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket Pharma Podcast, sponsored by Sempre Health. I'm your host, Kyle Wildner Higney, and today I have the privilege of interviewing Barty Rye, Vice President of Commercial Excellence, Insights, and Analytics at Novartis. Barty is an accomplished leader with 25 years of experience in healthcare and big four management consulting. She has been at the forefront of business transformations to champion data-driven decision-making and customer centricity. She is passionate about the intersection of commercial strategy and execution, omni-channel customer engagement, and analytics and digital. Since joining Novartis in 2018, Barty has led the vision, creation, and turnaround of the commercial excellence insights and analytics function. From the ground up, she has made it a competitive advantage for Novartis. Prior to Novartis, she held roles at Bayer Healthcare across a wide range of functions and responsibilities. Before Bayer, she was at Deloitte Consulting in the public sector practice leading multi-million dollar change initiatives. Barty holds an MS in public policy and management from Carnegie Mellon University and a BA in economics from the University of Mumbai. Barty, thank you so much for joining us on the show, welcome. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me. So maybe to kick it off, I'd love to hear what inspires your work in healthcare. Yeah, I think a lot of people that have joined healthcare, I I feel like they resonate because they are passionate about patients and health and usually inspired by some some loved one touched by a disease. And Mm -hmm. and that is definitely true in my case. Uh, You know, it hit home a bit too close. And second, I started my career, my education in public policy and I worked in public sector. So I'm really passionate about, I think, anything that has broad public impact. Mm-hmm. And healthcare to me is a basic right because we all know, you know, when, when your health is not good, your dreams, your ambitions, your day-to-day life, it can really suffer. So it just, and it did hit home too close. So I'm really passionate about that. Yeah, the interesting thing about healthcare and working in it, right, is that we're all consumers of healthcare and our loved ones are as well. And I think it's uh, it's very mission-oriented, I feel like, the work we do. Absolutely. So how are you and I would say pharma more generally positioned to add value to the healthcare ecosystem? Yeah, I so pharma as an industry, right, we've been talking about how do we change our business model and how do we become more impactful. I think we've been talking about this for 20 years, honestly, within the industry. The way I think pharma is well positioned, I think it's a few things. One, as an industry, we do have, you know, we are a financially strong industry, right? As opposed to some other industries like CPG, very thin margins, health systems, right? Lots of cost pressures. And there is cost pressure in every industry, but I would say, given the grand scheme of things, you know, one, we're in a position of being able to invest. That's sort of one. Second, I think we, as you know, the medicine itself is only one part of the patient flow, the patient journey, the healthcare ecosystem. And at this point, I feel like almost every industry needs to pivot to a broader healthcare mission. 
And you can't talk about disease and wellness without talking about nutrition and health Mm -hmm. and transportation to get to your doctor and, you know, everything else that goes with affordability, right? So I I feel like pharma is well positioned because we not only provide the life-saving medicine, but if we can go a couple of steps further and look at the entire patient journey and what they need, I think we could have great impact. And then a lot of partnerships right across the ecosystem. There's so much consolidation happening in the industry. You know, retailers are becoming healthcare companies, you know, providers, PE, private equity is buying up providers and group practices, right? So there's just so much partnership and mix happening that uh, pharma has to move beyond, I feel, just being a medicines company. It's this macro theme of moving beyond the pill, right? So thinking about the services, the other products that you can wrap around the actual therapy. Is that right? Absolutely. But but the thing is, we've been talking about beyond the pill for years. It's not a new concept, right? The question is, why why doesn't it happen to the extent that it would actually make a difference? And I think for that, pharma as an industry has got to look at healthcare as a whole, as opposed to the medication only, Mm -hmm. right? So it's a big sort of change, which requires the right investments, the right resource allocation, the right tolerance for short-term performance gain versus long-term, right? So it's a lot of systemic things that need to change in the industry for it to happen. But we've been talking about beyond the pill for years. And I think there are a lot of good examples where we do go beyond the pill, right? We order... We uh, offer services, we help with nurse support or certainly, you know, co-pays or affordability and, and other services, but it has to become a bit of a movement across the industry. And do you think value-based agreements or contracts with health plans, PBMs, is, is that a critical part of moving beyond the pill to make sure the economics are aligned? Or do you think you can move there without those mechanisms in place? I think it is both. I don't think one should stop the other, right? Otherwise, we'll be in the cycle for another 20 years. So I think there is, you know, a bit of movement we can do if we just look at the patient journey more holistically. And, you know, we've done, because I've I've run uh, insights and research, right? So when when you look at what a patient needs, right, or what they're saying, what they're not saying, a lot of times in market research, you ask the question, you get an answer, but it may not be the implicit need. Really, patients don't want to be reminded about the disease on a day-to-day basis. They are looking for a lifestyle that will help them live with the disease and and forget about it, right? So there is a lot we can do before we get to sort of the value-based contracts, which is a whole separate topic. And a lot of my colleagues are well-versed in, you know, talking about that. Of course, of course. So what makes what you do kind of today, different or better than what is available in the marketplace? I think there are a few trends that, you know, we've tried to capitalize on. And I see a lot of other uh, companies in pharma trying to do the same. First of all, you know, if you've heard the buzzwords of data and digital and transformation, we are all there. We're all there. Now, the question is, what does that mean to the company? And what does value look like? What does short-term wins look like if you are sort of going big on the data and digital journey? So I do feel like for the last several years as an industry and, you know, even in my role, we have really tried to sort of harness the power of data. And we've tried to find the nuggets that will truly move healthcare and patient care 
for the good. For example, you know, there's a lot of, we have so much data available in healthcare. It's not a question of lack of data. And in the US, you have it granular to the patient level. So we are able to diagnose patients that have gone undiagnosed for years in certain therapeutic areas, six years, seven years, eight years, right? They haven't gotten the proper diagnosis. And you can see in the patient journey, because we have the data that they've bounced around from one doctor to another specialist to another specialist. They've had some test results. You know, then they've got back, gone back for more lab work. Then they've gone to another doctor. So you can just see the complexity of the healthcare system playing out in the data. And if you if we can use that to then help and partner with our physicians, providers, health plans to diagnose early and diagnose better and diagnose more precisely, that's just one use case of what you know we we have been able to do and we can do more as an industry. And then I think there's also a lot around once the prescription is written, how do you keep you know patients adherent? How do you how do you help them? Uh, and it's not just, uh, that's not a technology problem. In my mind, it's a huge behavioral science problem. The technology exists to send reminders and all of that. But, you know, if imagine if you got a reminder every day, stay healthy, lose weight, you know, go to the gym. I don't know if you do it, right? So it's definitely a more deeper, complex problem. Our tech stop and unsubscribe from those reminders. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, just so, I don't have to lose weight, but stop reminding <laughs> yes. And so what are some of the other ways that, you're kind of focused on to improve outcomes or kind of improve the business that pharma operates within. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the diagnosis, you mentioned kind of supporting the patient and taking the therapy. What else or or expand on either one of those? You know, another thing would be, are we, are we treating the right patients who Mm -hmm. could benefit from the right medication? Right. So that, there's a bit of work we're doing around precision targeting, more agile targeting. And when I say targeting, I mean who, which physicians have the patient population that are likely candidates for this kind of medication, for example. That's a use yep. case. Or even providing information on, you know, making the right decisions to get on the right medication, right? So I think more choice, more information, but simpler to navigate for physicians as well as patients. That's a whole untapped area, I think, for patients. Just a lot of struggle in finding the right information to make decisions. And as we see, you know, the whole world becoming more and more consumer, kind of the whole consumerization, I think healthcare has to provide more for patients, but we are afraid to do that a bit because how far can you go and how much can one, how much should one pharma company do, right? So that's a that's a great topic and a debate that I'd you know love love to have, and and I think there's a lot of room for partnership there. On can we actually group together to impact one therapeutic area, whether it's car- cardiology or diabetes yeah. as a whole as a population? Sure, orienting it around the patient as opposed to the individual pharma manufacturer yeah. of a you know a therapy class, right? Yeah, exactly. Makes a ton of sense. And so what is one of the biggest setbacks that you have experienced? And what was one of the kind of key learnings of that setback? Professionally or personally? <laughs> you take it either way. <laughs> so there's no learning without setbacks and mistakes. I think the greatest sure. learnings happen there, right? I would say, you know, it is when you know you're sort of on a path and it's a good path, 
how do you sort of continue that momentum as opposed to, you know, letting other factors either stop or halt it, right? Yeah. Being vague, I know. But I, I think just sort of keeping on the path, sure. I would say sort of one, one, big, one big thing to, to add impact. The other one is, you know, on a personal basis, and I, I probably a lot of women can relate to this, but the time when you're, you have really little kids and you're professional full-time at work, and in my case, three kids, two years apart. So you can imagine when they were all under five or under six. Yep. Oh my God, right? So that's the time where I felt that, and I had the best boss in the world. Oh my God, he knows who he is and I wouldn't have survived without <laughs> him. And I joined the company and I got pregnant. And then every two years I got pregnant. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't plan this. I promised <laughs> right? So that was a time when it was so fulfilling personally because I was enjoying the babies. But professionally, I was, I mean, I was at a great role, honestly, I shouldn't yeah. complain at all, but I felt like I was stagnating and not growing. And what do I do next? You know, what should my path be? And I felt like I just didn't have the mental or the physical bandwidth to, to go there. Yeah. So that's a real personal struggle that I actually love and enjoy because I got through it and the three munchkins are, you know, uh, teens and tweens now. And it's just, you know, for everyone out there, if you can get past the first five, six years and manage work, you're good, right? Yep. You're good. So <laughs> hang in there. It'll pass. I love that. And it's very timely. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, that was just yesterday. Yes. I'll have to connect you with you know, the CEO of Sempre Health. She has a two-year-old. And so is running the company as we've been going through a lot of growth and has been bringing her daughter, Amaya, into the office as often as she can to be yeah. both mom and CEO. It's, it's really awesome to see. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? The mom's guilt never goes away. It really doesn't, even when they're 14 and 15, um, because the problems just change. But I think this whole idea of integrating work and life and it's okay if your kids yeah. are there or if you're you know if you have to take off for an hour to do something important I think the flexibility and where hopefully where work is going will yeah. help me for all for both parents right dads and moms yeah and I think that's one of the silver linings of COVID quite honestly when we've been forced to work at home with family around us it kind of everyone is a lot more understanding of that integrated lifestyle where yes. it's not a work-life balance on either ends of the seesaw it's yeah. really one full day that you have 24 hours and you have to prioritize accordingly. Exactly. And it's a mindset thing too. I feel like in the US, we we're just too focused on work. Mm. And it, and you should be. We should probably learn from the Europeans who figured out, you know, that balance. And yep. they are they are still at work, right? Mentally yep. and devoting the time. But I think it's maybe it's it's an again a behavioral science mindset thing. Absolutely. So I'd love to hear, you know, looking forward, what are you most excited about? So what big trend theme that you're seeing within the pharmaceutical value chain that you really think is going to you know, unlock a lot of value for this ecosystem overall and, and especially the patients too? Yeah, I think the first macro theme I'm actually excited about with a caveat is the fact that Pharma Life Sciences is all about digital transformation these days, since, especially since COVID, it's mm -hmm. been accelerated. I think they're taking 
digital customer experience and customer centricity very seriously, which is great. Now the question is, how do you make it work, right? What is that combination? How do you take that seriousness and not fizzle out in a couple of years or not get tired or not invest fully or, or not turn, you know, bring your entire organization along, right? Because it's not about hiring three people that are, you know, you, you can learn from another industry. It's not just about that because the, those people might stay, they may not stay. It's what do you do with the rest of the 95% of the organization that you have? How do you pivot them? How do you change? How do you retool them with new skills? And then how do you help the others that, you know, may not associate with the change or may not be able to get there, right? It is a big change. How, how do you handle that? Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm excited about the digital transformation, but I'm also a bit uh, nervous because it has to be done really, really well with a lot of thought. And I do feel that as much as we say digital transformation, pharma, life sciences, the leadership, and most of the people that grow have still grown up in the non-digital way of doing yep. pharma selling and, and marketing, right? So even picking the right talent, you're not sure because you haven't done it before. You don't know if you're actually hiring the right people even, yep. right? So, um, so that's sort of one. The other thing that really excites me is the whole digital health space, which I know there are so many startups. I know there's a lot of funding. Some people say there's a whole, you know, bust bubble coming, but just that trend of people trying to digitize and simplify the healthcare experience is truly inspiring because we are the worst experience for consumers mm-hmm. out of any industry, really. Like, and we know it because we've been patients, right? Yep. So it's just sometimes so frustrating. And, and for me, you know, I, I um, grew up in India. And when I come here, sometimes when I go to India to see my mom, I try to actually do like some of my labs and MRI or, you know, or even buy a medication back in India because it's so easy. You know, I can just walk in and get an MRI. It's done, yeah. right? No appointment. I don't have to wait for a month. I don't, you know, it's just, so it is not simple. And I, and there is a myriad of reasons why, but I feel like a whole bunch of entrepreneurs trying to disrupt and not a, not a lot of them will survive. We know that. Yeah. But the fact that we are trying to disrupt is super inspiring. And third, I would say what I'm inspired by is truly this focus on patients. A lot of people are saying it now, you know, because I started in strategy, I fell in love with operations and execution. The strategy is great. We are all about patients. Now, what are you going to change in the company to make that happen? Yeah. Right? What are the accountabilities? How are you going to incentivize? How are we going to do resource allocation? What initiatives are going to take priority? How do we bring that to life? I love that. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the strategy, right? It's so easy yeah. to talk about patient centricity, but actually execute upon it. That's where 95% of organizations fail, right? And come up short is not really integrating that with the delivery or execution of the strategy. So maybe before we conclude, could you share one closing thought and where listeners can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on LinkedIn. And, you know, maybe that might be the best way to get in touch with me. And I've, uh, you know, New Year's resolution, right? This January was to truly network with a broad spectrum of healthcare folks that are doing interesting things. And that's my other parting thought is that as professionals, uh, we get so busy with our day job 
and the and especially you know if your calendars are are like mine and it's been non-stop i feel like you know we don't take the networking call just for the sake of networking yeah just, you know there's nothing out of it nothing to sell just just to share inspiration and ideas and see what others are doing and so that's been my resolution in january i have spoken to at least 60 70 new people since wow. january that i have either been putting off meaning to connect with uh and it's been amazing it just opens up your mind in a in a completely different way so that's so take the networking call you know if you're interested in in my case i studied public policy and now i'm in healthcare right pharma life sciences i really wanted to connect with people doing like a lot of social good or some government and policy related and so i just reached out and had conversations and who knows where it'll go but at least you expose yourself to what else is going on out there Well, I love that. So, everyone listening, please reach out to Barty on her LinkedIn because she's eager to network oh, no. with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barty, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Uh, pleasure speaking with you, learning more about yourself, and hearing about the great work that you're on, uh, that you're working on. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. A lot of fun. Thanks. This episode was brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and let us know what you're looking for.